Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Now a show that's going to give you the truth about the biggest epidemic of our times. We're all a little crazy. Welcome back to our final episode of Season 1, Episode 26 of We're All a Little Crazy. I'm your host, Eric Houston. Theo Fleury is here with me, and we have a special guest, Brent Sopel, as well. Too bad Darren once again couldn't join us for (laughs) our final season. I I joke a little bit, but we've got a serious topic to talk about in this final episode. And it's one that, you know, the way things have played out, the way things have gone down, um, I, we were talking all a little bit before you wish there wouldn't be the struggle. You wish there wouldn't be, um, the pain that we've seen, but you also hope that because of the struggle and the pain, and obviously I'm talking about the Kyle beach situation with the Chicago Blackhawks going back to 2010, the sexual abuse story that has come out having Theo, who is a survivor of sexual abuse in the hockey world probably one of the most public cases of it um, in our planet. And then having Brent Sopel, who's a player from that 2010 team, I couldn't think of two more appropriate people to be having this discussion. Um, So I'm going to take us through a timeline, boys, of how we got here. And I think there's so much that needs to be discussed after that timeline. And I want to say to everyone that this timeline is – a combination of the investigation that was done by Jenner and Block, which is the firm that the works, the owners of the um, Blackhawks hired, along with some public statements from Kyle Beach, along with some other independent investigations. And I'm, I'm piecing this timeline together on my own here. So follow along with me. You go back to 2010 and there is a case of sexual abuse happening between Brad Aldrich and Kyle Beach, Brad Aldrich being the video coordinator for the Blackhawks at the time. It was happening in the Western Conference Finals against San Jose. Per the Jenner Block investigation, you got Aldrich who says it was consensual. You get Beach who says it was non-consensual. And Beach claimed that Aldrich said that unless whatever Aldrich was trying to do to him at the time in the apartment, Unless he allowed him to do it and he pretended like he enjoyed it, he would never be able to play up in the NHL again. And when I talk about Kyle Beach, I'm talking about a player who was up from the minors playing with the Blackhawks, what's called a black ace. So he's playing with the team. He's not actually on the ice during games or practicing with the team. We're going to get that into that with Brent in a little bit. From that incident, uh, Beach tells his skills coach, Paul Vincent, about it, who to this day he has glowing reviews about, and he said Paul was great. A little bit later on, because unfortunately this matter is not addressed immediately, um, an employee, we don't know the who the employee is, but within the Chicago Blackhawks organization, 
tells Al McIsaac um, that uh, this incident happened. And uh, it leads to a meeting. And the meeting involves Stan Bowman, who is the GM of the team, um, Shevel Dayoff, who's the assistant GM, McDonough, who is the team president, Joel Quenville, who is the head coach and the person that Aldrich reports directly into. And according to the investigation, all in the room knew what was going on. It was revealed in the room at the time was also counselor for the team, Jim Gray. And the unfortunate thing is nothing happens after that event. Um, There's a lot of talk in terms of why certain things were swept under the rug. Prevailing wisdom there is believed that on their run towards a cup, um, it was better for the outcome of the team, which they ultimately did end up winning the cup in the next round, uh, for them to keep this quiet. And unfortunately, um, after winning the cup, Aldrich, still with the team, has been with the team this entire time. He ends up assaulting a 22-year-old Blackhawks intern. From a timeline perspective, days after that, so this is after the cup has been won, cups being paraded around, June 14th, McDonough, the team CEO, finally tells, finally tells HR. So this is up near a month after the initial event actually happened with Beach. He tells his HR department. And the HR department meets with Kyle Beach and gives him an option of either there being an investigation into what happened or stepping down. Something we have to come back to because was that the proper way to handle that at that time, even with the HR department. And you have Aldrich who decides to to step down. Okay, now here's where I'm filling in outside of the Jenner block. You have Beach's agent, Gurney, who in 2011, both phones and emails the head of the NHLPA, Donald Fear, telling him that Aldrich, who's now working with the USA Hockey under-18 women's team, that they have a sexual predator who is working with them right now and that they should notify USA Hockey. And according to what we have read from Fear's take on it, this is back with Jenner Block, that a doctor within the NHLPA, and we believe the doctor that he's referring to is Dr. Uh, Shaw, Dr. Brian Shaw, was notified of this. Fear does not say, I notified Shaw. Fear says a doctor was notified. In which case, nothing took place. I know when we get to you, uh, Brent, in a second, you've spoken with Kyle recently, and you, amongst other players I've spoken with, Theo's spoken with, have said that, after that conversation that Beach had, that his agent had with the Players Association, he was dropped. Nine years, wasn't spoken to, wasn't offered counseling. Um, it was made as if we need to make that incident disappear. Fall of 2012, this one's not getting as much play as it should. You have Aldrich gets hired. Now, keep in mind, he has not been called out publicly as a sexual predator at this point there's been no um investigations launched against him 
he was just given the opportunity to step down from the Blackhawks. He's the director of hockey ops for Miami of Ohio, and he assaults both a student and a hockey camp intern. And Miami of Ohio actually has confirmed that. Then you have 2013, Beach is a volunteer, and he assaults in a post-game party uh, a student in Michigan. He's sentenced to jail, and he's sentenced to register as a sex offender. Fast forward all the way, and yes, we're going this far, to June of 2021, and the Wirtz owners of the uh, Chicago Blackhawks launch an investigation. Now, we should note that while that happened in June of 2021, recently word has come out now that the Blackhawks organization notified the NHL league office that there was uh, some questions as to whether or not there was some kind of sexual abuse that had gone on in 2010. They notified them that in December of 2020, but told them it's no big deal. Not much will come from this. Now, after all this has come to light, after we've seen the interview with Kyle Beach, you have Stan Bowman who stepped down. Uh, from the Blackhawks, you've got um, a number of other members of that organization who stepped down. We'll get into that, Brent. Stan has also stepped down as GM of USA Hockey uh, for the Olympics. You've got Joel Quenville, who was asked to step down as head coach of the Florida Panthers, my former team, um, after an incredible start that they went out to. And I don't think wins and losses play into here. So I think that was the right decision, though I shouldn't be giving opinions in here. So Shevel Dayoff still employed uh, in his position. And I think what is interesting and is a starting point for all of us to start off with right now is I saw statements coming from Bettman and he's making a distinction between who was a senior staff member at the time and knew and should be held accountable versus who was not a senior staff member and was beneath. And therefore, even though McDonough did not act on all the information he was given, there's only certain people being held accountable, certain people at a senior staff level that didn't do anything in that case. And others who technically are, I don't want to say skating free because court of public opinion is, is certainly in play here, but I, you know, Theo, let's start with you just, just cause, um, you know, you've played for the Blackhawks. You've been through uh, sexual abuse yourself. Mm -hmm. Overall take on the situation. We don't have to dive specifically yeah. into what I shared with Gary, but just mm -hmm. overall take on the situation. Well, I think I've said this a thousand times in the last three or four days is, you know, this is typical reaction, typical behavior of, you know, when somebody in a organization gets accused of, you know, whatever you want to call it. And, you know, the first first reaction is always to deny which the blackhawks did and uh and then uh as soon as everybody catches wind of it uh you know then they they start to investigate and realize oh we got something here <clears throat> and now uh as soon as the press gets a hold of it now the organization is in full panic mode because they they got to keep this under wraps because it's going to be you know a shit show and that's exactly what we've seen is 
is, uh, you know, an organization who had protocol in place, didn't follow the protocol. And, you know, here we are in this, um, you know, media storm. And, uh, and even after the report comes out, you know, they're talking to players, they're talking to Gary Batman, they're talking to Donald fear. And all of a sudden the story doesn't make sense, you know, and which means that, you know, you all knew because I've been involved in lots of these cases before, and this is typical of how they're handled, you know, uh, most of the time. And, uh, yeah, it's 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 really unfortunate, and this could have been completely uh, um, done a, a way better way, right? Because they, as soon as Kyle made the uh, the accusation, filed the complaint, they should have went to the video guy and suspended him immediately, pending an invest investigation, right? And if they can hide. A sexual assault case within the organization they can hide that they've suspended the video coach so when you so theo when you say deny and i want you to answer this and then have brad yep. chime in I, I would add to that being an observer of this now you're an expert in this field because of what you've been through but i would add to not just deny i would say there's another word for it or phrase for it which is push off yep and find a way not ne not necessarily say it didn't happen but to say not mine, not yeah. not my issue, or here's how we can handle it, that it can still be handled, yeah. but that it doesn't take on as much significance in the media, et cetera, as uh, it potentially could. Yeah. And, you know, these guys are getting ready to go to the Stanley Cup finals. Can you imagine if, you know, something like that, you know, got out at that time, you know, it would have been difficult to, you know, to manage all of that, you know, and, and stay focused. So I, I get the reason why they did what they did, you know, um, human nature, unfortunately, uh, you don't always make the best choices and the best decisions. And, uh, you know, we're, we're now seeing the consequences of what happens when you don't deal with something like this immediately. And we're going to talk about what dealing with it immediately would entail, because what has been discussed so far has not been process and and what should be done moving forward so brent your take again i know it's a very general question but just you've spoken with kyle you had your own run-in with being open about what you knew when other players weren't ready to be open or willing to be open whatever word we want to use for it where are you at right now i'm in chicago right now <laughs> well <laughs> thank, you, thank you for breaking the ice. well <laughs> breaking you know it's because it's, it's a sad situation. You know, we were talking before. Um, I cried when I watched Kyle talk. You know, and, you know, you know, Farron, you said the PTSD. Just, you know, you just see written all over. You can hear it in his voice. No human being. This is bigger than hockey. This is bigger than the four major sports. This is the world. It happens in corporate America. You know, I, I posted my a statement about this situation on my social media. And the amount of people that I've reached up to me that said it's happened to them is astounding. So this is not just hockey. This is a world issue. And, um, you're, you know, you know, Theron, you, you talked about it could have been handled differently, you know, and there were protocols in place. But really, were there protocols? 
are, are those protocols what we need, you know, in you know, in society, so this doesn't happen again? Because no victim, as you know, you should have never felt alone. Just like Kyle, and just like every other victim, should never feel alone. Should be able to come forward with, you know, whatever. You know, I've had, I, you know, I've been very open my drug and alcohol abuse. I'm, I've been sober for five years. I felt alone. I needed somewhere to go. There needs to be more compassion, so that no matter what fight you're in, Eric, is that depression, is that whatever, that we have somewhere to go to communicate what's going on. Is that abuse? Is that depression? Is that struggle and alcohol? What is it? There needs to be across the board, not hockey, across the world, a better outlet and better uh, protocols in place. Mm -hmm. Well, when you oh, say protocols and you say process, this is what I want to dive into with the right. two of you because I've we've spoken as friends over the last couple of days and we haven't got been able to get into this level of detail just because everyone's schedules are all over the place. But when I hear what went down, and, and I'm going to take it from you have senior level staff in Bowman, in McDonough. Um, you've got junior level staff, let's call it that. Um, you've got players, you've got an organization, right? And then the head, the top of that organization is McDonough. He's the CEO. And where from a from a policy and procedure perspective, what it and I don't know what it says in the Blackhawks procedure book back in 2010. All that I saw from what was you know shared from the Jenner and Block uh, investigation is that in an instance of sexual abuse, it is to be immediately reported. Right. That's that's all I saw. It is to be immediately reported. The question is by whom. Who's responsible? How many people are responsible? How many levels does this go? I'm going to take people because most people don't work as a player or on the hockey side of a hockey organization. So I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to make it an everyday situation for the rest of us who are hearing this. You work at an office and at that office there are assistants, there are assistant managers, then managers, and there are assistant directors and directors, and there are their assistant VPs and VPs and SVPs and EVPs and CMOs and you guys know how the the ranking system goes in corporate America. What is considered senior level? Number one. Number two, does it matter what's considered senior level? Number three, when you are told um, that your head of your office, your CEO in this case, is going to handle the situation, whether that's in a closed door meeting, whether that's it, it gets told through the grapevine, who is responsible when nothing happens? Because clearly in this case, what you had was Aldrich was able to stay in that locker room with those players, whether it was the Black Aces, Brent, we're going to be very blunt with you, whether it was a Blackhawk player themselves, he was able to stay with them and who knows what would have happened with a player directly. He's able to stay in that locker room for the Stanley Cup Finals and all the way through the Stanley Cup Finals, then even the parade and all the other celebrations that go along with that until McDonough finally brings it up to HR. And I think from a policy perspective, I mean, take us, maybe Brent, for you, take us the inside of it. Like, why is there this breakdown? And you don't know the answer, but let's guess to it. Why is this there this breakdown of when the CEO doesn't fulfill their responsibilities of reporting? Who is responsible? Is it everyone who knows? And should everyone who knows be responsible for calling it out at that point? Yeah. You know, and, you know, uh, we talked about this happened in the Western Conference final. 
Um, you know, John McDonough put winning over you no know, over everything because you know you know Theron talked about if you removed him from um, from the locker room, you know there was going to be questions. Now, um, do you keep it quiet enough so the media doesn't find out? Now, you know, you've got an opportunity to win something that the Blackhawks at that point in time had won in 49 years. You know, that was his, uh, you know, that was um, his only focus, um, on, you know, on that. So, I mean, when you're told, again, it's not the CEO for me, it's a father. He's a father. When the father says to you, you know, um, I'm a father, I'm a grandfather. It's going to get handled and taken care of. You believe it because this isn't something that you, you know, you sweep up the road, like it's, you know, the Christmas tree, the, all the, the thorns are underneath and you sweep them out. This is a life. But can't money and winning was put ahead of a life. And so I think, I think that's coming to light right now. And I guess Theo, maybe, maybe, you know, you, you, your situation happened to you when you were 16 years old, when you were a teenager, you know, it happened to you, um, not in the guise of an NHL locker room. When you see the rest of the staff in there and what you know about sexual abuse generally, you could name names if you want. You could you could just talk about positions and levels if you want, Theo. But Brent called him a father. The father figure, he said, you you expect the father figure to yeah. take care of it. He didn't yep. take care of it. So, who is responsible for taking care of it at that point? Like I, I, again, I and I don't know that I know the answer. So I don't want to anyone hearing this thinking that I'm feeding you guys lines and <laughs> we haven't discussed what the right line is. Mm-hmm. I just see Gary's statement and I see senior level staff versus Shevel day off as an example, not senior level staff at that point, right. assistant GM. Right. And I don't understand where the line of delineation comes right. where you well, say, yeah, go ahead. Theo. So honesty is always the best policy. Okay. And through this whole ordeal that's happened this week, nobody has stepped forward and said, you know what? We fucked up here. We fucked up and there's lots of mitigating factors as to why we did it, but we did it. Okay. And we sincerely apologize. Uh, I, I think, uh, Kyle, I believe you has not come out of anybody in the organization, which is probably the three greatest words you can say to a survivor is I believe you that hasn't happened. And, and so here we are, you know, podcasts and, you know, uh, Brent, I've seen you do thousands of interviews. I've done thousands of interviews because here we are, here we are. And ultimately we are never going to stop this type of behavior. Okay. Because I work in the prison system. I've worked in the prison system for eight years in Canada and I work with pedophiles in the prison system, not to say that. Aldridge is a pedophile, but he's a form of that word. Okay. Whatever you want to call it, sexual predator, you know, manipulator, whatever it is. And you know what the, the pedophiles tell me in jail? They say, don't ever 
let me out of this cell. And I'm like, really? Why? They said, even though I know that what I'm doing is wrong, the urge is greater than my own common sense and I cannot control it. Okay. So this is what we're dealing with. And 98% of pedophiles who get out of prison reoffend. Okay. And it sounds to me because there's more than one that we have a serial predator, you know, that's been out there for a long time doing these kind of things. And by the time, a, you know, a sexual predator, a pedophile, a fetophile, whatever you want to call it, by the time they get caught, on average, they have 125 victims by the time they get caught, right? So, you know, I, I for, you know, the NHL, man, if I didn't have the NHL, I wouldn't have everything I have today. So I have such mixed emotions, you know, when I'm talking about this, because everything I have has come from the opportunity to play in the NHL, right? And as much as I appreciate that and I'm grateful and thankful for the privilege and the opportunity, I can't defend this. I cannot defend this. Who when and you say when you say we haven't heard when you say we haven't heard those three words, I believe you. Yeah. And when you say we haven't heard some of the admissions that you'd like to hear, mm -hmm. are you are you referring to those who have stepped down? Are you referring to those still in anybody in the organization? Well, I, I want to start there in though. Front but, but of the microphone and say, you know what? I knew and I fucked up. And I okay. Am so scoring. so let's start. Let's start with the reasons why not. Right? Because I don't. To your point, you take a Quenville, you take a Bowman, right? Um, and I'm sorry, I'm forgetting the name of the gentleman that that stepped down. Al McIsaac. Yep, Al McIsaac stepped mm -hmm. down. Yeah, like great, great hockey people. Like, let's start with them. I mean, only because they're not currently working in a position, or is it because of if they want to work again? They'll have to come and interview through me with the league office that they don't want to further implicate themselves by saying something like, we believe you and we fucked up when we could have done differently. I mean, What's wrong with telling the truth? It's position. It happened. We all know it happened, right? We all know it happened. Right. And, and, and according to Kyle, he went, right? Filed the complaint, right? Then it, then it did its thing, right? It, it just moved through the organization and here we are 11 years later, all hell breaks loose. So you're telling me that you didn't know, right? So, so Eric, Eric, let me ask you, let me ask you a question because you're right. Yeah. You and I haven't been in the corporate America and don't yeah. know the, the, all the VPs and all the things you're saying. So what is normal protocol in corporate America? Because we were talking about protocols and you know what's right. So, what is appropriate? What is appropriate protocol in a corporate America? Because I don't know because I haven't been in, you know to inform me so that we can elaborate on this. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna reveal some stuff that that is pretty candid. Is at the organizations I worked at, I don't remember ever having formal training on procedure. I know I, we had formal training on what constitutes 
right? Inappropriate behavior and what constitutes things like sexual abuse, but not what to do from a reporting perspective. And that's where I think from a policy and procedure perspective right now, we have a long way to go and an opportunity to make something positive out of something that's so awful right now. Yes. I, I'm asking the question out loud to the two of you, not because, again, it's a leading question, but because I don't know the answer to it. And if I was a mid-level manager at you know uh, my office working when I was working for the teams I worked for, and our CEO, you know, got wind of something that we knew was taking place amongst, you know, let's call it the the interns, the associates, whatever it was, and we thought the CEO was taking, to, you know, taking care of it, but we saw that person who committed that crime continuing to walk around the office for days and weeks afterwards. Who is responsible? And I don't know the answer to that question because you you do feel like that person's a father to you and like that person, you know, I say that it, some people don't love necessarily their CEO, but meaning you look at them like the figure in the office that's supposed to well, take care of everything. We're not, we're not. And let me, let me say, when I said a father, he's actually yeah. a father. So he wasn't a, so let me clarify. He wasn't a father figure to me. Right, he right. actually was a father and had kids. So let me clarify right. that and you know that question. I asked and Eric, I asked you, because we're talking a lot of people in corporate America, I didn't know that question. So I wanted to know yeah. what that actually meant to you. So that was news to me so that this can turn into a positive like we talked about. Absolutely. You know, this policy needs to change. Not We're not talking hockey. We're talking the world. Yeah. Yes. This, this exactly. Is, this is a systemic societal issue. This yep. isn't just, you know, hockey is the flavor of the week. Yes. Right? You know, yeah. and if and, you're in a corporate office, Theo, if you which which most of the people who are going to listen to this are in a corporate office or who cares what the what the office is, you could be working construction. We have to get some kind of rules and, and understanding in place that when an incident happens, if you know about it, the expectation is this and whatever the this is that it doesn't matter what your level is that you need to report by X and X a date or X amount of time that has passed since you see or know about that event, you know, report it to the authorities, call 911 so that something can, can, can be done so that what I read when I was going through the timeline of what happened in Miami of Ohio, forget that even before that, what happened with the intern with the Blackhawks, what happened in uh, his hometown in Michigan, does not continue to happen. And Theo, I'm sure there's many, you know, when you're throwing the number out there, like 120 some odd victims, I'm sure there's victims out there of Aldrich. And I don't think, I, by the way, I'm, I'm not saying that I know this. I'm, I'm making an assumption yeah. based on what you just said, mm -hmm. that there's victims out there that we don't know about. Yeah. And that is scary to think about that if something was done sooner mm -hmm. and, and in so many different ways sooner, one, more people reporting, two, um, you know, uh, before June 14th, going to the HR person sooner. Three, bringing it to the authorities instead of just allowing him to leave uh, and, 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 and make the decision to just go away on his own, of which case then there's no mark on his record and now he can go get another job. So let me ask you guys this question. Why are we so afraid of the word sex? Because I think at the end of the day, that's what this comes down to is we how we define the word sex because whenever that word you know like i had 
you know, I came out with my story. I became the poster boy for sexual abuse. I didn't want to be the fucking poster boy for sexual abuse. I just wanted to tell my story, but I became, you know, the poster boy. And so, uh, getting the message out there, using that verbiage, sexual abuse victim, sexual abuse survivor, people just absolutely shut down whenever those, uh, that, that word comes up. Right. And I was like, in order for me to have a bigger impact and, and bring in more people into the conversation, I'm just going to switch to the word trauma in general. I'm just going to call it trauma in general. And when I switched to trauma in general, that's when I got the most, you know, the most play, the most people coming forward and all this stuff. And so, you know, I think a piece of it has to be, you know, why do we get so triggered by that little three letter word? Right. Well, we do get triggered. And, and I think you're, you're what we're going to talk about in a little bit is also what we saw in Kyle's brave conversation with TSN. Um, Cause that was trauma just exploding out of someone that was built up trauma over nine years, 10 years, 11 years. Um, just incredible strength. But I, but I, I want at least, I want to at least cap off this part of the conversation because I don't think there's an answer yet. And I think that's something that we need an answer for. And, and if there's anything that comes from this, this, this podcast and this conversation, it's that I want there to be things that we as a society have to think about moving forward. And one of those things is sexual abuse can happen amongst a group setting where it is either known about, heard about, whatever you want to describe it as. And in that group setting, and I know, it, Brent, this is probably why it's difficult for you, because as a player who says, yeah, some of us knew about it, it it's unfair for you to have to make the, the claim at that point. Well, as a player, we should have said something because we still saw Aldrich in there versus as a junior level employee versus as a senior level employee. There weren't rules in place. But, but it seems like there's being, in terms of, um, you know, penalties, so to speak, we're stopping somewhere along the way, right? We stopped along the way with the senior level staff that was there that didn't do anything. And my first kind of call to action would be in offices, there needs to be an understanding of who is a mandatory reporter. And if nothing happens and, and you believe that it's someone who's senior at your company that should be doing it and you don't see something happen, that you are responsible also for reporting after X number of days or whatever that is where you don't see anything happening. Well, and if you don't report and nothing gets done, you go directly to the police and you get them involved and then. And then it's out of your. That's hand. what I meant by report, Theo, and, yeah. and it, maybe that was yeah. I was using the wrong terminology. Going to the authorities in some way, because it, I think as employees, to Brent's question, as employees at an organization, and you probably felt this way, Brent. Like people think of players, and fairness to Brent, people people think of players, and they're like, they have these platforms. They, they you know, they can talk to anyone. When you're a player, you're you're an employee within the organization, right? Like you're both yeah. laughing at this because I'm I'm hitting the nail on the head, I think, with this. But like, you know, you don't know what the hell you're supposed to and not supposed to do. And if you weren't trained in this, you you know that you love a fellow human being and you don't want that person hurt. But at the same time, I'm guessing, Brent, tell me if this went through your mind at the time, you gotta be thinking, 
Am I supposed to say something? Am I not? Is the CEO handling this? Is he not? I, am I, what happens if I talk? Do I continue to have a contract? Do I not? Not that, that that's what you should make decisions on. But right. until there's clarity, those are the things that come into play. Yeah. And now what? And that's the question why I asked you, you know, the structure right. of the corporate America was trying, you know, was trying to gel those together. You know, when I found out, we met and we acted immediately, you know, within 24 hours, you know, talked to Paul Vincent, who is a skills coach, who um, have much respect for him and I have been friends since I was 17 years old and had this conversation and he went to upper management. So and that ended up falling at the CEO, the president of the team, John McDonough. So we acted, you know, acted immediately within 24 hours. You know, we had that. You know, we continue our games. We thought, I thought, I'm not going to say we, I thought it was getting taken care of because he said he, you know, had the meeting. Yes, I hear you. We'll take care of it. I'll take care of it. Now, yeah. when somebody says that, so it goes back to your earlier question, what's the time frame that we have, you know, is there an implement where, They've got to come back and say, hey, I've done something. Let's exactly. just, you know, let's say John McDonough, because this, he was the president, obviously his name's out there. Is it is there a time frame that we have to implement across the world that he's got to report back to who that person is, that victim, that had the trauma, hey, this is what I did. Right. So that there's it's, it's that not communication. Fair. On the one hand, I want employees to be responsible, and, and on the other, because because they're they they're not seeing anything happen. But on the other hand, Brent, it sounds like what's coming from your 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 side of things is even though you saw Aldrich around the facility and still with the team, you're thinking whatever it being handled is 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 being done, and and you don't know what that entails or doesn't entail, right? Like, are there Correct. video cameras following around Aldrich so that nothing happens? But and and I'm not saying that would that would be the right decision either, right? But but like what constitutes it being handled? Should to, to Theo's point, should someone who is around other employees that is now being implicated or 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 these allegations are being made against them, should they be removed from the situation until there's further investigation? At which point, if they're not removed and other employees see that, even though you initially did bring it up. Should there be something in place where after X number of days, you still see that employee around the other employees, it's now our obligation to speak up. And in fairness to you, Brent, you didn't know what those policies were. My guess is no player knew what those policies were. I, to this day, don't know <laughs> after trying to find it out and look it up what those policies were with the Blackhawks. That's what we need there to be concrete uh, uh, laws around and concrete policy around, and we don't have that right now. Um, well, Theo, it, it sounds like you know, that's why I asked that question in corporate America. Is there actually concrete things in corporate America? I don't know. I haven't lived there. That's why I'm asking these questions. Right, I, and I well, don't know and, the answer. And, and, you know, my thoughts are on, you know, if if you knew and you didn't do anything, it's almost like you assaulted the person yourself. That's how I see it. Right. Yes. And, and uh, you know, there really is no punishment for the people that didn't, that knew and didn't do anything. There's no, there's no law, you know, around that, that piece of it. And I think 
if we change the law where if I find out that you knew and you didn't do nothing, guess what? You're going to the same place that the guy who did it, you know? So, right. And, 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 and Theo, that just needs, but that needs to be clearly laid out as a problem. Because in, in, in Brent's case, in fairness to Shevel Dayoff and in fairness yep. to players, mm-hmm. they have no, I'm assuming they have no idea at that point. And let's be honest, sexual abuse still not being talked about enough right now. You just brought up why that three letter word already people shy away from certainly back in 2010, not being talked about enough. Yeah. And so you're in that situation you don't like what you're saying is someone should be as responsible as the person who did it. Well, if, if they're being told the father figure in the office, not, not to belabor that point, Brett, but, but, but the father figure in that office is taking care of it. At what point when you don't see anything happen, are you now responsible also, regardless of what your level is? If you know that yeah, you're not, well, bringing that, the has to be, that has to be set out in, yes. in the protocol for sure. Yes. But you know, Here's the thing. Kyle brought this to to the attention of, of the Blackhawks. And, and it's 11 years later. I guess where Kyle Beach is playing hockey right now. This guy's a 10th overall pick, a 50-goal scorer in the Western Hockey League, and he's playing in the third league in Germany. Do you think guys want to friggin' come and, and, and talk about this stuff? Because I guarantee you that part of – Kyle coming forward is we are going to bury this guy and shut him up. Well, they did. Yeah. He was 11th overall and never played a game. If you take a backtrack and I, I haven't do, I haven't done this. I think if you can backtrack every 11th overall pick for the last 20 years, other than an injury preventing him to play in the NHL, Every single one of them played games. Yeah. Now, how many games is that? Five games? Is that 500? I don't know. But Kyle's wasn't an injury. So I would bet my bottom dollar on that you wouldn't find one guy, not one, for the last 20 years that didn't play. And remember, Kyle was 20. He just turned pro months before getting this happened. So... Yeah, he was, was, he, was he, he he just come from junior, went to yeah. Rockford and then got called called up to Chicago. So So yeah. three more years of his contract. So he hadn't been pro. So they put him down in Rockford to bury him for three more years. They did. He you know, and that's where I was saying that if you take eleventh overall pick other than you know a major injury, every single eleventh overall pick, probably for history played games except for Kyle. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you know, something that we talk about all the time as an organization on this podcast is what does trauma do to someone, right? And and how does it impact performance? And you look at the way in which Kyle, you know, emoted, I'll use that term, um, on that interview with TSN, that was this heavy load that he's carrying. So for everyone out there, and I'm not, I'm, I don't mean to go outside the realm of sexual abuse for the purpose of this case, but I think it's an important piece yeah, of this to discuss. With, with Divorce, sex- job loss, breakup, verbal abuse, sexual yeah. abuse, bullying, yeah. cyberbullying. Yeah. Like when, when, when hockey players or anyone bring these things up and they bring up bullying and they're like, oh, really? Come on, a tough man. Like this is bullying. These are the things that live with and inside people that crush people. 
it's not, oh, he's sad. It's his nervous system is breaking down from what he or she is holding on to. And if we learn nothing from this case, which I hope is not what ends up happening, but if you watch that interview with Kyle, that's immediately what my mind went to is watching the way that he couldn't hold back emotion. And Theo, you and I were saying maybe he wasn't even ready for that interview. And that's no disrespect to Kyle. That's saying he was brave for doing it when he did it. But we know the amount of therapy and work that goes into being able to handle what just happened to us. And here's this guy, 29 years old, who's being asked about it publicly for the first time. He finally comes out as John Doe. And you see the way he's breaking down as he's answering the questions. Why does someone go from a 50-goal score and 11 overall pick to that? It's because of what trauma does to the body. It's because of how much load that takes to bear. And to think, you know, where, where I want to take this conversation next is because, you know, without mentioning names of active players, because it's a sensitive topic, we're all friends with active players. And there's active players who have said to us, you guys are doing this podcast, bring up what the PA should have done for Kyle. He was an NHL player at the time of when this happened. We can talk in terms of what we learned about the conversations. I believe it was Gurney was his agent who reached out to the PA. There's mixed reports whether he'd reached out directly to Donald Fear. Donald Fear says he reached out to someone at the PA, again, referring likely to Dr. Shaw. In whatever case, Kyle's agent says that it was it was it was fear that he reached out to. And we have to talk about one, the inactions of doing anything that the PA did at that point. When Aldrich, they they gave them heads up because Aldrich was working at the under 18 women's national team in Stockholm. They did nothing to tell USA hockey. That's number one. So they, they, they didn't stop a predator from continuing on. Number two, when we talk about the effect on Kyle long-term, the fact that they weren't in this guy's corner saying, I believe you, I have your back, we, you have a union for a reason, let us help you get help, let us help you get therapy, let us help you go through this so you can be the best Kyle you can be, let alone hockey player you can be. And what Kyle says is two calls – and he was dropped. No one was reaching out to him at that point anymore. He no affiliation with the NHLPA at that point. How does that make both of you as former players feel? Put yourself in the shoes of Kyle in that situation. What, what's going through your mind as it pertains to how the PA handled this? Well, I'm just going to talk from my own experience with the uh, substance abuse and behavioral program is when I started going off the rails, you know, one of the... Um, counselors for uh, representing the NHL and the NHLPA came and saw me, uh, talked to me about the program, talked about getting me in the program. You know, we're, we're hearing rumors, we're hearing all kinds of stuff. And so I sign up for the program. Okay. And then I, you know, and then I start doing some therapy stuff. I get a counselor and therapist. I guess start going to therapy and counseling and, you know, they're trying to take away all my coping mechanisms, you know, which is, which is not a good idea, you know, because I don't have any tools, you know, I got zero tools, you know, and, uh, and I just assume that 
when Kyle went to the PA that the NHL Substance Abuse and Behavioral Program would step in and take care of Kyle immediately. Get him some help. Get him get him going on a path and a journey of healing and talking about this stuff. I don't know if that if that actually happened or not, but I know in my case that once I was in the program, there was no getting out. Once you're in, you're in. You know what I mean? So, so I'm I, I'm I'm surprised that that Kyle wasn't you know sort of put into this you know this program and and the program works because I'm sober 16 years and everything I did in the program I picked up little tools along the way that I have in my toolbox today that I used to stay sober so the program works you know and uh, and yeah so. But Theo, in in fairness to Kyle, because we're we're representing all sides here, Kyle's saying, his agent is saying, after the second call, I didn't hear from them. Yeah. So, so So that blows my mind because as a member of the NHL Players Association, if I need help, I call them and they are there. Like, they're there like the next day. So what makes this case different? Why why do you believe he didn't get help? Is it because of what we just spoke about? Possibly, you know? Like that's I think that's one of the first times I've ever heard in the history of the National Hockey League that we have a sexual assault allegation. Yeah, we hear about it in junior, we heard about it in kid sports, but at that level, we that's never happened. Right. So, so like I said, I think everybody just panicked and wanted it to, you know, go away as quickly as possible. And, and, uh, you know, like I said, here we are, here we are because, you know, there there were several balls dropped in this process. And I really believe it was because everybody panicked and it was the, you know, I don't think the NHL ever thought in their wildest dreams that they would have to be dealing with a sexual allegation from a, a from a current player who's playing, you know, who's a so, part of the team. So, all right, Brent, thinking of this from a PA perspective, the, the PA just had a call. We hear there were 80 players on the call. We hear that fear is recommending an independent investigation into this on the PA side of things, the same way there was a investigation by the Wirtz into the uh, Blackhawks organization. I'm just going to flat out ask, and then Theo, you could answer too. Is an investigation warranted here, given that it sounds like nothing happened? It sounds like Kyle had to basically um, you know, sit in this for nine years by himself without any help. What are we investigating? Well, first off, Theo, proud of you. 16 years, that's yeah. incredible. So uh, mm. I'm proud of you. So, Thanks, you know, um, I know what that feat is. It's just, you know, fucking proud of you. So um, I want to address that first and foremost. And um, is there an investigation warranted? I'll say yes, because we need to get to the bottom of it. There was a ball dropped somewhere. Now, what was that ball? You know, I don't need to say, here's, he said, I need to know why, what happened and where did that ball drop? It's just the same thing as we need to know, you know, for the Blackhawks. We, we all failed Kyle. As players, as management, 
everybody in the NHL failed him. So let's find out where he was failed, every last detail of how and why, so there's never a how and why ever again in this world. So so this is, I'll ask more directly then to both of you, and I know this is difficult being former players. Bowman was essentially fired, right? Asked to resign is the same thing as being fired. Quenville asked to resign, which is being fired. Tops of the organizations being asked to step down because of lack of action. Why is there an investigation being recommended on the PA side of things instead of the buck stops here with the person who runs the PA? Well, it's a, it's another stall tactic, right? You know, because you know how news cycles, right? And the Blackhawks, the NHL, the NHLPA want this cycle to be done with, right? And it's already been seven days, which means what? Because news cycles last one day, usually. One day and then they move on to the next thing. This is seven days of the NHL, you know. And I guarantee you the president of ESPN Sports who just paid, you know, a half a billion dollars is calling Gary Bettman and saying, what is going on here? And you guys better get rid of this as quick as you can or we're pulling. We're, we're out of here. Right. So like I said, this this is this is such a mess. Such a mess. Well, I you know, look, from from the from the players that I speak to, from the 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 questions that come about, I, I guess again from an accountability standpoint, it's difficult for me, Theo, you call it a a, a stall tactic. A stall on what? On someone holding on to their job? On you're saying yes? It's I mean, reputation. It's uh, oh, it's it's so many things, right? And, 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 as, and then, okay, and so so maybe, maybe okay. How about this? Maybe explain to everyone as a and I don't know if you guys know the intricate details of this because I know CBAs and 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 the PA changes, you know. Pretty frequently, <laughs> there's new rules amongst how the, the you know voting happens and all that fun stuff. But as an active player right now, and you know whether that active player played with you, we were talking about some some former players before played with you for 15 years in the league as a longtime veteran, or was Kyle Beach never got a chance to sniff playing a, a regular season game on or even a playoff game on the NHL ice, but but was a top pick and was up with the team, would you want there to be responsibility taken somewhere on the PA side of things for this? And don't you have the power as a player to ask for that? And wouldn't you want to ask for that? Isn't that what that investigation is? I don't know, Brent. The reason I say that is because if you you look at equivalencies, and and maybe this is because – you had people admitting things in the Jenner and Block investigation on the Blackhawks side of things that you didn't have admitting on the PA side of things, and that's why things have, have, have played out the way they have. But I think if you ask the casual NHL fan, if you look at the comments that are on social media, um, if you talk to fans, what you hear is there was accountability that still isn't enough 
but people lost their jobs because of how things were mishandled in the Blackhawks organization. Why is something similar not happening with the Players Association? I think it's going to. But you go back to the you know, the June and, and uh, I call it Boone. I mess it up every time. But so they've di- they dug deep into the Blackhawks and the organization where it was failed. They haven't in the PA. So that's why I'm good with the investigation. Let's find out every last detail. Because, yes, Kyle Beach, I don't care if you played one game or 150,000 games. You're part When you're a part of that NHLPA Players Association, you're a part of it. So Kyle was a top pick. This happened when he was there. He needed to be taken care of. As Theo just said, you know, I, you know, I know that I was taken care of and is shocked. You know, so am I. So I want the full investigation on who had the conversation, what was the conversation, time frame. Let's find it all out because that's the only way we're going to get the, the, the full details. And then action needs to be taken 100%. If, if fear is wrong and gets fired in three weeks, all right, that's fine. But we can't miss any bits and pieces to this to make change. Yeah, I think, and I think you know, in fairness to what you just shared, for everyone else out there listening, and again, I I continue to share that as as someone who's trying to mediate this conversation or or lead this conversation, I'm not, I'm, and none of us, I know the three of us, in terms of how we look at situations that happen and we react to them as friends in society, no one is looking for someone to lose a job, to lose a livelihood just because. That's not the way that we operate. In fact, you know, a lot of us. No. Are, are not fans of that type of culture. Um, but what we are fans of is accountability when someone has suffered the way that they have. And it, and it sounds like as former players, what you're saying, which I can completely respect, is if there was an investigation into the PA side of things, the way there was an investigation into the Blackhawk side of things, and what is found out is what we believe to be true then there's likely going to need to be some forms of resignations because people are going to have to take responsibility the same way there was. Now, the not guy. likely there has to be. Yep. If that's if, if those are the findings. Well, well, unless you don't believe Kyle, right? And when I, I don't when I say you, I I don't mean you, Brent. I mean you. Uh, anyone listening to this, it sounds like he was dropped after two calls. And we know for a fact that Aldrich was not removed from that USA hockey team. And we know that there was a way for him to be able to get other jobs. So the ball was dropped somewhere in terms of that conversation. Who was responsible? Again, it's he said, she said right now. And it sounds like there's a lot of finger pointing for a CYA. But I don't think anyone could argue that the ball was dropped on the PA side of things in some way. And we have to get to the bottom of that. Yeah. And... You know, it's 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 the the reporters of the world that picked up on this story. They're like, well, where's the where's the NHLPA on this? We better we better get over there and start asking them questions. Right. It's just the natural process of of investigating the whole thing. Yeah, it happened in the Blackhawks organization, but the NHL and the NHLPA have a responsibility as well. And what does everybody want to know? What did you know? What did you know? That's all they want. Yeah. What did you know? Right. And at every turn, every reporter's getting, you know, the word salad, right? They're getting it from, you know, and like I said, the, the best thing that they could have done at the beginning of this was 
we are so sorry. We completely messed this up. And we are so sorry to you, Kyle. And let me tell you, whatever you need from here on in, on your own personal healing journey, we are in. We are all in on on that. And that's all they had to do. That's all they had to do. Well, what, what I, what I, in, in paraphrasing and consolidating everything that we've shared in the last hour, I think, you know, when we took a long time to get there and the first piece of this is when it comes to organizations, whether you're a Blackhawks organization, which is a business office, whether you're any other corporate entity, corporate office, office in general, doesn't have to be a corporate office. There needs to be understanding for what process needs to be followed with respect to mandatory reportings. Who is responsible? How long does it take? Um, if you are being told it's being handled and you don't see something being handled, when are you now, who someone is in the know, responsible for then going to the authorities because you're not seeing anything taking place? Because you're allowing someone who potentially puts others at risk to hang out around those people that they could be taken advantage of. And that's an important thing for us to well, make and, sure that there's changes on. Yeah, And yeah. I, I'm thinking out loud, and this just came to my head right now, but Eric, we have probably the biggest lineup of athletes on the planet. And, you know, maybe we need to add an arm onto our organization. Mm-hmm. We advocate for, for victims and survivors. So as soon as we catch wind of the story, we, we have protocol in place where we go in and deal with the person who was injured, right? Because the reason why uh, Kyle has post-traumatic stress disorder is yep. because if we would have all been there at the very beginning yep. and took him under our wing and got him the help that he needed, he wouldn't have PTSD today. Yeah. I, I mean, to you, it's a great suggestion. You know, even just on this podcast alone, people that we have relationships with have been open about sexual abuse situations that they've been in. Reggie Walker in the NFL, Amani McGee Stafford in the WNBA. I mean, it's it it it. The unfortunate thing is, it, this is not so uncommon. Um, I introduced you to Jake Newton, who played in the Ducks organization yeah. for a while. Yeah. Um, who great has guy. a story. Great, great guy. guy has a story of his own, and he's on an unbelievable healing journey, like yeah. unbelievable yeah. healing journey. Yeah, I mean, but 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 also probably someone who couldn't reach his full potential because of what yeah. he'd been through, and I, I want yeah. people to know that how much it weighs people down. So yeah. we've got that aspect of it. We've got the aspect of it that publicly we need the people responsible. Again, I'm not just talking about the Blackhawk situation. I'm talking about in all situations to Society. be able to say I believe you and I'm sorry. And this is how we drop the ball. We need the people who, again, drop the ball or are responsible even before they drop the ball to be offering things like therapy, things like support, to be there for those who are victims and not to sweep things under the rug. And none of what I just shared happened in this situation none of it and and to theo's point that's why we're here seven days later and this is still being talked about and you've got a 29 year old who's playing in the third division in germany and that but but probably more important and i and i think kyle would say this as well you have these victims from miami of ohio you have these victims in michigan you have the intern from um the you know the blackhawks and and whoever else and we need to have better process 
if we want this cycle to ever possibly end. We need to advocate, we need expectations, and we need to put this in place. So I can't thank you guys enough. I think that- Can um, I just say one thing, Eric? Yeah. Is, you know, I've been in, in the sexual uh, abuse, rape, you know, category for a long time. And, uh, you know, uh, it is like a living rape, is it, or it's like a living murder. Because when somebody violates you like that, like you lose a piece of your soul, you lose a piece of your spirit. And I'm telling you, you know, I'm 16 years into sobriety and I'm telling you, it, it, it's still there, right? It's still there. And I have to fight every single day, you know, uh, mental illness, uh, you know, some days my addiction kicks in and, and all that stuff. And, and it's a direct result of experiencing that kind of trauma and, and, uh, and, uh, you know, unfortunately, and and, and Kyle Kyle has a long road ahead of him, And, and, uh, and, uh, well, you brought up, you brought up an important point that we didn't discuss, but, and and I'll end on this because you share this with me all the time when it comes to sexual abuse is you have a lot of naysayers who say, well, Kyle's six foot something, 200 and something. How oh, the hell did he allow? Don't even go there. A, a, a video. When you use a power dynamic like that, you know, and you hear what Kyle said is, I'm never, you're never going to make it to the NHL, you know? And Theo, I'm sure you heard similar words from Graham. You're, you know, and, and, and you could be David and Goliath, right? And David can, can take advantage because there's a power dynamic difference there. And for anyone to think that there's the physical difference is makes up for it. It does not. Um, mind, the mind is a powerful thing. Power is a powerful thing, not to be redundant. Um, but so much came from this. I, I, I know that there's gonna be players that hear this, that are going to thank you for speaking up the way that you did. So, so I want to thank you. And what I hope comes from this is change. And I hope what comes from this is more conversation. And I think you're both brave for sharing the way that you have. I think you're both brave for being open in a situation that's considered sensitive. And um, on behalf of everyone, really want to thank you too. And uh, we are going to close it for this final episode of season one of We're all a little crazy, brought to you by the hashtag same here global mental health movement. And we will look forward to seeing you in 2022 as we start off with a new season. Thanks. You just heard we're all a little crazy, brought to you by the hashtag same here global mental health movement and the Hockey Podcast Network.